This is the World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. Russia's president, Vladimir Putin, is, quote, failing on all of his military strategic objectives, said Britain's chief of the defence staff, Admiral Sir Tony Radikin. Over the weekend, Ukraine's forces struck several Russian military strongholds in southern Ukraine. After their lightning advance in the northeast, troops are eager to capitalise on their momentum. Quote, This is preparation for the next sequence, said Ukraine's president, Volodymyr Zelensky, in his latest nightly address. Charles III met Britain's Prime Minister, Liz Truss, at Buckingham Palace ahead of the funeral of Elizabeth II on Monday. Over the weekend, the King also met the Prime Minister of other countries, where he is head of state, including Australia, Canada and New Zealand. World leaders, including America's President Joe Biden and 500 dignitaries, will attend the ceremony in Westminster Abbey, which will conclude 11 days of national mourning. The European Commission proposed to suspend billions of euros in funds for Hungary over corruption concerns. The EU's executive arm said the sanctions, which must be approved by a qualified majority of member states, will protect its budget against breaches of the rule of law. It is the first use of a mechanism introduced two years ago in response to concerns that Hungary and Poland are nobbling judges, journalists and activists. The entire island of Puerto Rico lost power after being hit by Hurricane Fiona, according to a tweet from its governor, Pedro Pierluisi. President Joe Biden approved an emergency declaration for the territory, which allows the release of federal resources for relief efforts. Meanwhile, thousands of people on the southern Japanese island of Kyushu have been urged to leave their houses as Typhoon Nanmadol made landfall. The storm threatens 500 millimetres of rainfall. Ala Pugachava, one of Russia's best-known singers, spoke out against the country's actions in Ukraine and bemoaned its, quote, illusory aims. She asked to be declared a, quote, foreign agent, in solidarity with her singer-husband, Maxim Golkin. Russia's Justice Ministry accused Mr Golkin of conducting political activities on behalf of Ukraine after he too criticised Russia's invasion. At home, discontent with the war has been growing. Recep Tayyip Erdogan, Turkey's president, said his country would apply for full membership of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization, a regional talking shop that includes China, Russia, India and much of Central Asia. Turkey is currently a, quote, dialogue member and would be the club's first NATO signatory. The SCO, which met in Uzbekistan this week, was formed to promote close security and economic links. Police in Serbia arrested 64 people as right-wing and religious protesters turned out to demonstrate against the LGBT Pride March that was taking place in the capital, Belgrade. The march itself had initially been banned over fears that it would stoke violence. And fact of the day, 99%, the share of Kenyan migrant workers abused in the Gulf, according to a poll. 
And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Queen Elizabeth II is laid to rest. On Monday, just before 11 a.m., the coffin of Queen Elizabeth II will be carried into Westminster Abbey, where she was crowned almost 70 years ago. A lady-in-waiting suggested to her, just before she went into her coronation, that she must be nervous. Yes, Elizabeth replied, and added, referring to a horse that she had running in a race four days later, I really do think Aureole will win. In the intervening decades, it was less for her humor than her solemn devotion to duty that she would become known. She crossed the world, smiling, waving, and working. She swore in her final prime minister, her 15th, just two days before she died. Now people are coming to her. Thousands queued to see her coffin and on Monday world leaders, including Joe Biden, will converge in London to see her funeral and the close of the Elizabethan era. Republicans struggle to self-define. On Monday, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House of Representatives, is set to unveil his party's commitment to America, consciously modeled after the contract with America, a prospectus of what Republicans would do if they won the House in 1994, which helped them win back control of Congress in midterm election. Mr. McCarthy similarly aims to pinpoint what Republicans stand for. But the party has shown little interest in sketching a policy agenda. Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, believes such documents are counterproductive and will not weigh in. Rick Scott, a senator from Florida, has pitched a plan under which all federal legislation would expire after five years unless explicitly reauthorized. Lindsey Graham of South Carolina befuddled many last week when he pitched a nationwide abortion limit at 15 weeks, which would be stricter than in many blue states. Expect more policy incoherence. Japan's Naughty Celebration of Longevity On Monday, Japan celebrates its Kiero no Hi, or Respect for the Aged Day, a public holiday. While COVID has halted annual events and gatherings for a third consecutive year, Japanese still market by sending gifts to grandparents, a boon for e-commerce firms. But the celebration of Japan's longevity is also a reminder of the country's deepening demographic woes. Recently published statistics show the number of people aged 65 and over in Tokyo, the capital, reached a record level this year. Across the whole of Japan, their share is around 30%. In April, the country dropped its legal age for adulthood from 20 to 18, creating roughly 2 million new adults overnight. Japanese seniors appear increasingly ambivalent about the holiday. Many who are active and working distance themselves from the event. Some take offense to being called old. As much as filial piety matters in Japan, Kiero no Hi may need a rejuvenation. The Global Fund Replenishes Its Coffers The Global Fund, founded in 2002 by governments and businesses with the purpose of fighting AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis, holds its so-called replenishment meeting in New York on Monday. It wants to raise $18 billion to spend over the next three years in order to save 20 million lives. The fund's track record suggests it would use that money wisely. 
its officials claim to have prevented 50 million deaths between 2002 and 2021. Last year, the fund helped put 23.3 million people on antiretroviral HIV drugs, treat 5.3 million people for tuberculosis, and distribute 133.2 million mosquito nets. But COVID has proved a setback. Key metrics for all three diseases worsened in 2020, including the percentage of people treated for TB, which fell from 69% to 57%. Deaths from the infection rose for the first time in a decade. The successful alliance of governments and the private sector will need to continue rising to the challenge. Stop the sun, refreeze the poles. Stratospheric aerosol injections may sound like a wacky way to wind back climate change. A fleet of aircraft pump fine dust into the upper atmosphere until it sheaths the entire planet, reflecting sunlight and cooling the Earth. But when limited to polar regions, which are warming at a faster pace than the rest of the world, SAI begins to look less far-fetched. A new study published in Environmental Research Communications, a journal, finds that SAI could be deployed to refreeze the poles. Microscopic aerosol particles would be released at latitudes of 60 degrees north and south and drift poleward to shade the ice. This, say the modelers, would cool the Arctic and Antarctica by 2 degrees Celsius per year, which would slow the pace of sea level rise. But the method also has its drawbacks. Considerable extra carbon emitted by roughly 125 tanker aircraft and an estimated cost of $11 billion a year. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday, Atlas, Luna, and Madagascan Sunset are all types of what creature? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mika Voltari, who was born on this day in 1908. Life is a hot day. Perhaps death is a cool night. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.